0: We're so grateful for the cross of Christ and the lessons we learn as we come to it and we live in the globe of the cross and we do our thinking about Christ in view of the cross. It is the center of our hope, our peace, and our lives. The fact that Jesus laid down his life for us and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Anytime you sit down with Joseph as we are doing today you're going to hear about visions and dreams because he was a dreamer. In fact, there's nobody in the Old Testament who had more connection to dreams than Joseph, unless it might be Daniel, who not only interpreted dreams but had dreams himself. Maybe you have some visions, both things that come to you in the unconscious watches of the night And things that come to you and your eyes are wide open and you're dreaming about what you might do with your life. Well, then you ought to be able to connect to Joseph. And today as we sit down with him, we've sat down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now we're sitting down with Joseph. This is the second message about Joseph that we've had in the series. The first had to do with his Uh, father giving him this robe and his brothers hating him and the hatred that he felt. And we're going to see that today in particular in this passage. But I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 37, first part of your Bible. And I'm going to start in verse 12, reading this text. When you get into visions and dreams, you get into uncertainties. You're wondering, well, what's this about, really? What am I supposed to do? What does it mean? I walked in the early morning in the piney woods of Louisiana just a few days ago, and as I looked up through those towering tall trees in the pre-dawn darkness, I saw Orion's belt to the east. Now, I have claimed Orion's belt as my own since I was a teenage boy looking out my window "'pointed east toward the Franklin Mountains, "'and when I looked out that window in the darkness, "'I could see Orion's belt. "'And ever since then, when uh, I look up in the sky "'and I see that constellation, "'I have a little more sense of where I am. "'Do you know that mariners lost at sea "'for now hundreds of years when they find Orion's belt? "'They can calculate where they are. "'It is a help to those steering in the darkness.'" Well, when we read about visions and dreams, we may think, well, where is our compass? Where is the certainty in the midst of these uncertainties? It is in Christ Himself and His cross. Everything we do is anchored in the person and work of Christ. So we come to Genesis 37, knowing Jesus as Savior, knowing He is the way, the truth, and the life, and knowing in verse 12 where it says, Now Joseph's brothers had gone to graze their father's flocks near Shechem, And Israel said to Joseph, As you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Shechem. Come, I'm going to send you to them. And so they have a little conversation. And down there in verse 17, So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. They'd moved. But they saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer. They said to each other, come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him, then we'll see what comes of his dreams. Verse 23, so when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the richly ornamented robe he was wearing. You remember that from last week, the one his father gave him? a robe of many colors. He was wearing it out there in the pasture. And they took him and threw him into the cistern. Now, the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. As they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. I want you to pay attention now, sisters, brothers. You wonder, why did the Israelites end up in Egypt? This is the first hint right here. You need to pay attention. They spent 400 years in Egypt. These Israelites were headed to Egypt. Judah, that's one of Leah's children, her fourth son, said to his brothers... What will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother and our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. When Reuben, that's the firstborn son of Jacob by Leah, his mother, when Reuben returned to the cistern and saw that Joseph was not there, he tore his clothes. He went back to his brothers and said, the boy isn't there, where can I turn now? Then they got Joseph's robe, slaughtered a goat, and dipped the robe in the blood They took the ornamented robe back to their father and said, We found this. Examine it to see whether it is your son's robe. He recognized it and said, It is my son's robe. Some ferocious animal has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. And so he mourned his favored son's death. If you sit down with Joseph and you start talking to him about his dreams, which he related to his brothers and now the dreamer has met with this end, he might say to you, your dreams will put you at risk. You have an idea of who you want to be, what you want to do with your life, There is some risk to dreaming. Your dreams may put you at risk. I don't know what this many-colored robe had to do with the dreams that came to Joseph. The Bible doesn't say God gave him these dreams, not here in this passage. Later on, we realize, well, God was speaking through these dreams, and nobody knew it except maybe Jacob. Maybe he had a little hint that there was something up here, and he pondered these things when when he heard him from his son Joseph because God spoke to Jacob in a dream, you remember, at Bethel, and he saw the angels going up and down on that ladder, and he realized it was the house of God and the gate of heaven. You remember that. He headed back to Bethel in part because of that dream, so Jacob was given pause. But I wonder if when Joseph curled up, at night, and he pulled that richly ornamented robe around him. If it didn't spark his imagination, it was a regal robe. It was like a robe... That the royalty might wear in his day this richly ornamented robe, not really fit for a 17 year old boy, and yet his beloved father had given it to him, and he was indeed his father's favorites. And who knew what scenes he might see in the night wrapped in that royal robe? If you track The path of that robe, it comes from his father to his favored shoulders. And he wears it into the field when he's going to check on his brothers. And they know it's Joseph as soon as they get a glimpse of the robe that he's wearing. They tear that robe off of him. They hate him for it. They throw him in the cistern. They kill a goat. They dip that robe in blood. They tear it like it had been attacked with the teeth of a predator. They carry it back to Jacob. And so the robe has gone full circle and now ends back in the hands of the father who gave it. And he mourns the death of his son, And the robe had something to do with it, though Jacob may not know it. Jacob was right to encourage his son Joseph to do great things. He was right to talk to him in terms of how valuable he was, but he should have made 12 robes and given one to each of his sons. And communicated that to them so that all of them knew they were royalty in God's sight. They were children of the Father in heaven. And maybe all of them could have dreamed great things. But for some people, the dream flourish. And for some people, the dreams die. You ever know anybody whose dream died? I think one of the most difficult things about poverty is that it kills a child's dream. There is burned into my mind a picture of a 12 year old girl in a city in Mexico, a pueblo with poverty everywhere. Telling me about her dreams of who she wanted to be. And I got on the bus and left to go back to America. And I watched her turn around and walk back in to that dusty little town where she lived. And I wondered what would come of her dreams I imagine that Dan and Asher and Gad and Naphtali, the children of the slave women, when they first started dreaming, they dreamed of something great. But the most important person in their life, their father, favored Joseph above them all. And no matter what your status in life, when you know you were second, you know your father does not love you, as passionately as he loves your brother. It throws water on your dreams. To have a dream puts you at risk of arrogance, and that happened to Joseph. He had a dream about the sun and moon and 11 stars bowing down to him and all of the sheaves of his brothers bowing down to his sheath, and he told them all that he was a brat when he did it. Unwise and unkind. So you don't want to let pride creep in as you think about what you want to do with your life. You want to be careful that arrogance does not grab you, nor hatred. The dream might cause people to resent you, like it did with Joseph... Sometimes we set our dreams aside because we don't want people to resent us. And we think they will if we pursue our dreams. And Joseph's brothers did resent him and hated him for the dreams. They hated him because of his dreams and because of what he said, the Scripture says. Your dreams put you in risk of disappointment, friends. Not all dreams come to pass. Some people stop dreaming because they've been disappointed and the dreams did not happen in their life. And so they don't have any sense of a good and promising future anymore because their dreams died. So when you have a dream about who God's calling you to be and what you want to do for Him and the life that God wants to give you, you're at risk of disappointment and maybe even failure. If I were to identify the most common failure in the human family, I would say it is probably the fear of failure. The most common fear in the human family is the fear of failure. And so because we are afraid that we might fail, so often we let our dreams die. Your dream puts you at risk of success as well. You might succeed. Be careful what you set your heart to do. You just might make it. Be careful how you set your goal, what you envision for your future. There's some people who get what they want. And they don't want what they get. Be careful what you let consume your heart. Maybe when you succeed, it will not be all that you thought it would be. The greatest risk you have when you dream is that it will seep from your soul through the holes in your character and the opposition of your friends and periods of long neglect. You put yourself at risk when you dream because it takes discipline to bring the dream to pass. You say, well, I have a dream. Maybe it came to me in the night. Maybe it came to me in the daytime when my eyes were wide open and I was awake. But I've got a dream. If we were to say to Joseph, say, Joseph, if you have a dream, what should you do? I think he might say, your dream must be spoken. He spoke his dream. His dream burned in his bones and in his heart. He had this dream in two successive nights, two different dreams. And he had to tell somebody. I know a dreamer. You know him too. He visited us a couple of months ago on his wife's birthday and sat right here where Dr. Chuck is sitting, right in there. His name's Drayton McLean. And Drayton is the man who designed the food business for the Super Walmarts. He was the vice president of Walmart. That happened after I spoke at his corporate office one day to the international team that ran McLean Corporation. I spoke for 30 minutes and a little glass broke over the speakers and I knew my time was done. That's how you knew. You didn't have any extra time, even if you're the preacher. You get your 30 minutes and the glass breaks. And the glass broke and I said goodbye and Drayton took my arm. He escorted me out to the hallway. And in that room, I'd been listening to these guys. This was back in 1992. They were scheming how to put scanners in every convenience store in the world. And how to get a five-second turnaround time between when it was scanned and when the information came back to that store. And it was a big dream, and I couldn't even follow some of what they were saying. But I know this man became the greatest grocer in the world. You know what he did when he said goodbye to me in the halls of McLean Corporation? He raised his arms above his head and he said, we're going to conquer the world. Has that ever happened to you? You ever had anybody in your life that said, we're going to conquer the world. We can do it. We're scheming together. It was okay if his preacher knew that he had a dream to conquer this business. He wanted me to know. He wanted me to know where they were headed. Your dream needs to be spoken. Some of you have a dream, and you've never written it down. You never put it to pen and ink. You never articulated it to another soul because you are afraid. To speak and say and hear what they might say. I, I read about the man who started Redbox. I mean, Redbox just started appearing everywhere. He spoke recently at Tulane. Did you know that? He came to town to talk to the entrepreneurs. Redbox is now the second largest distributor of movies on the planet. And he said when he put his idea out there, people scoffed at it, and they scoffed at him. And he told a group here in our town, he says, one of the things you got to do is not worry about what people might say about you and your dream and your idea. But you've got to articulate the dream. See, Joseph had to talk about it. He wanted to get it out there. Why? Because it takes a life of its own when it is spoken when you turn your dream into syllables and words and sentences and release it into the air to the ears of your friends and your family it has a new reality for you and for them do not be afraid of the power you unleash when you speak your dream you need the help of others And speaking your dream communicates to them what is in your heart. They know you better once you say it. And if you speak it out as Joseph did with his brothers, the dream takes on a life of its own. And do you know the memory of this dream that Joseph communicates to his brothers? will one day collide in their minds and hearts as they themselves bow before a man whom they do not know until he reveals himself as the brother they sold into slavery. Somebody in this room has had a dream, a vision of what God wants to do with your life and your assignment now is to distill it into words on paper and in conversation and tell somebody else what's going in here. You say, why? Because your dream may come from God. That's why. Maybe not. Maybe it's just your own imagining. But it may come from God. Now, Joseph doesn't know, I don't think, when he tells his dream that God has given him this dream. But he's got to share it and he wants to. And so he does. Wise or unwise as it might be, he speaks the dream. As it turns out, God gave him the dream. And one day it will be crystal clear that God was at work even in this boy's life when his brothers hated him and tore up that robe and poured the blood on it and threw him in the well and sold him to the Ishmaelites. It will be apparent to everybody in the family because of the dream that God was at work even then. Your dream may be the voice of God. I remember where I was. I mean, I sort of thought it, but I remember where I was, sitting in my car, driving in Northern California, when it dawned on me that the notion I had of building 40 homes in the Upper Ninth Ward came from God. I remember where I was, and I realized that was the Word of God. God planted that idea. It came from Him. Now we've finished 67 homes in the Upper Ninth Ward for families that we love and we're helping them come out of the grip of poverty and achieve a, a steady economic standing for their family. I remember where I was when I realized it was the voice of God. Brothers and sisters, I want to take a risk this morning, okay? Following the pattern of Joseph, I know it's a risk, but I want to articulate for you a vision that is in here. It's not my dream alone. In fact, it's not my dream originally. It came from young couples sitting among you, young families, and some that are further along in years who have communicated to me the need for foster care in this community. And Perry Hancock has come to see me. He is the president of the Louisiana Baptist Children's Home, and he has said, we need to do something in New Orleans for foster care. Do you know, he said to me, that in Plaquemines Parish, they are putting children they take in the dead of night away from parents in unsafe situations, they are taking them to jail? they're remanding them to the sheriff's office because there is no place to take them. Do you know that's happening in your community? I said, if this really is a need, let's verify it through the Department of Child and Family Services. So Anna called up there, and the day she called, the director said, there are five children sitting in my office right now, and there's no place to put them. Brothers and sisters, we serve a Savior who said to us, let the little children, what? Come to whom? Come to me. And forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. So I want to unleash into your ears and hearts the dream of, Of a foster care home that we will do together that will specialize in the emergency care of children taken out of homes in the dead of night because they are unsafe. I just want to speak it to you because I believe that Jesus would have us receive the children. In his name. And everybody agrees it is a need and somebody needs to do something. And guess what? We have a foster care couple in this church who are willing to be foster parents in such a home that specializes in emergency care. We already have a partner in this dream who is willing to help us financially. But we need a collection of support services and wraparound services. And we need to build a house. So I'm speaking to you a dream that is right here that I hope one day will result in children in a safe environment, living with a Christian witness, cared for by people who love Christ in this community, who when they have no place to go, they can come here. I want you to think about it, pray about it, see what God might do in your own heart about it. You say, well, preacher, we're already doing so much. There's so much going on. Yeah, but there's so much to do. And the Lord has equipped His church to carry His voice in this community. And I believe our witness will shine brightly as we open our arms to the least of these. All the dreams you've got, young people, young couples, the things you imagine you might do. There are things I think about when I see you and your bright intellect and your great energy talking about how you might impact your world. And what I want to say to you is do better than we do. Go farther than we've gone. Let the church of Jesus Christ have a resounding voice in the world ahead, in the future, through the dreams he plants in your mind and your heart and the way you can seek to faithfully follow him in a world like ours. May the gospel shine brightly through you and the vision you have of caring for others and touching your world with the love and the gospel of Christ. Yeah. Your dream puts you at risk. Yes, your dream needs to be spoken. Yes, your dream May be the voice of God. Let's bow together. If you don't know Jesus as Savior this morning, I am urging you and begging you to turn to Christ. He loves you, He died on the cross for your sin. You say, Well, I just don't have much faith. Well, you've got a little faith in there that God planted in your heart. Would you exercise that faith this very day? And this morning, would you say, Dear God, I know I'm a sinner in need of your forgiveness. And I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sin. I ask you to come into my life and forgive me and make me your own. Would you pray that prayer? Just believing that there's a God in heaven who made you, loves you, and hears the whisper of your heart. Maybe you've been following God, but it's at a distance. You've been a long way away. And today is God's call to you to come up close, to renew your walk with Him, to plant your life in the community of faith and make an impact for the gospel, to have some significance in the years that remain for you. God wants you to connect up to His church and put your energy and your time and your talent with us as we together seek to make a difference for the good news of Christ in this city. And if that's the desire of your heart, then would you step out in just a minute and by stepping out say, I am articulating with my movement what God has called me to do and be. And I want to recommit myself to the work of Christ. Maybe you've been a secret believer. You already are saved, but you've never publicly been baptized as a believer, and that's the need of your heart. In just a moment, would you come saying, I want to be part of the baptism service that's coming up. Maybe you just need to pray down here at the front about the dream God's given you, about the next step that you're to take, about the thing that He's planted in your heart, and how you might articulate it. Maybe you just need to seek His face. God, we pray now that you would be honored by our response to your Holy Spirit in this place. God, we know you're present and you love us and you're talking to us through our brother Joseph and the dreams that he had and the risks that he took. And God, let us follow in his footsteps. And so be people of faith in Jesus' name.